Josh Williams here, and welcome to another bonus episode of the One Man Podcast, brought to you by Absolute Comedy. Uh, and today, my guest is the man behind the curtain at Absolute Comedy. He's a comedian. Uh, he's the lead singer and guitarist of the Life Size Men, who will be performing uh, this year at RBC Blues Fest. That's Thursday, the twelfth of July. My buddy Jeff Tangay, welcome and uh, thanks for joining me. Hey, Josh, glad to be here. Uh, <laughs> you, you've neglected to mention former comic. I haven't done it in like five years. Yeah, but every I. What have I done in, in a long time? I just run my <laughs> mouth on stage. I don't know anything. But that's, yeah, I mean, that's that's how you and I met. Now, you're you're a very accomplished musician, um, and I've, I've actually heard a lot of your stuff. You've been in, in several bands and whatnot, but uh, just for the sake, because I want to talk about the music, honestly, mm-hmm. more than the comedy, but just for the listeners, um, let's let's ask about the, the comedy part first, and then we'll get sure. into the music. Uh, you know, when, well, here, actually, here's a funny thing is you are the man behind the curtain at Absolute Comedy. You're the the manager. You're there during the day. I'm there during the day, yeah. I'm... Yeah, and there's so many comedians who have called the club during the day to ask a question about getting a spot or whatever. Yeah. And have never, like, you're you're just a voice. You're Charlie. And I'm still a voice if they're listening to this. They don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. <laughs> the <actually>. mystery guy. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's so many people who've, who've called you every single, you know, uh, month to ask yeah. for a spot and and then when i say like oh you got to call jeff for something they're like who's jeff i'm like the, the guy you've been calling for six years to yeah. get spots That's- well there's it's the same for me too there's a lot of these dudes that i talk to that that call you know every month to sign up and you know i know the name and i know their voice and then you know I, we're at a party or something and they're like hey i'm so-and-so it's like oh i know you i know you kind of yeah <laughs> i didn't know what you looked like <laughs> i've written your name down many times you're much shorter and uglier than i imagined <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome so how did you how did you get into comedy? Well, um, when my old band, The Town Cries, broke up in '92, I was just basically looking for something to do. So I started doing the uh, the Wednesday nights at Yuck Yucks, and um, you know it was just it's just something to do. I still wanted to perform in some capacity, so I, I started doing that. And the good thing about having played in bands for years is you know even if my comedy stunk when I started, at least I could play guitar well. So it's like, hey, this guy can really play guitar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Too bad about the jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Did you incorporate right from the get-go music into your Yeah, act? it was mostly all guitar stuff when I started. And, uh, you know, I know my the first time I did Yuck Yucks, I had my electric guitar and amp on stage, and it was basically just nonsense. I'd just be like, you know, look at this guy. Then I'd thrash <laughs> on the guitar and look at her. <laughs> so it's stupid, but... <laughs> I love that stuff. You you have something that that you know that I would see you since I've known you that you would open with was just sort of like you'd play a tune and you do like this sort of like humming thing. Yeah, it was the it. it was like a uh, a riff on Elvis. So no actual lyrics, just like baby 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 baby, and that was yeah. the whole song. And then uh, you know, and then I shake my hips and stuff, and so it was just basically a, a non joke comedy bit where it's, I'm not. You know, I'm just making fun of Elvis saying baby all the time. Right. And then you have one where it's like, it's almost like where you, you're sort of playing Wipeout or something similar to Wipeout, right? Oh, yeah. Where I would do the riff yeah. with my mouth. I'd be like, no, 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 no. And then yeah. when the song ended, that's how I'd continue talking. Like, no, 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 So yeah, Which just, is fucking hilarious. I love that because Are that's you allowed the to say the F word here, Josh? You can say anything you want. Oh, okay. Good. I don't edit a thing. <laughs> yeah. So, th- yeah, this is just basically me using music in, 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 in lieu of actually writing jokes and just being <laughs> silly on stage, so. Uh, yeah, it was fun. It was like, I think Winston Spear often, you know, did the same thing. He tried to avoid comedy as much as he could. So he'd dance, you know, by the end there, last time I saw him, he's dancing for like 30 out of 45 minutes that he was performing. Yeah. He dances way to the yeah. stage. Yeah. Just some goofy sort of sounds yeah. and whatever. Yeah. I never thought of it that way though. You're like, just, he's doing everything he can to avoid comedy <laughs> yeah. while doing comedy. That's pretty funny. Yeah. I had another bit where I had my little speak and spell where, you know, I'm just pushing letters and numbers and trying to make them sound like words and... So that was a good five minute bit of me doing nothing but standing on stage pushing buttons, you know? I hate me, but you know what though? There's a lot of comics trying to do that stuff now. There's yeah. guys like Dimitri Martin, which is a pad of paper, yeah. drawing goofy shapes and then trying to say what it looks like or, or yeah. you know? I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a fun approach. I mean, I think when I started doing comedy, I was not a huge comedy fan. I mostly did it to be an anti-comic, you know, cause I remember watching, that was back when, you know, Caroline's and Evening at the Improv was on. So it was all oh, these guys doing the same sort of jokes on the same sort of topics. And I was like, well, if I ever do it, I won't do that. I'm going to do something totally different. Yeah. And, uh, 
you know, so that's what I tried. But then, you know, you find after a while that you're sometimes your quirky, you know, uh, approach to comedy doesn't <laughs> fly with the crowd. <laughs> so you got to start doing stuff that the crowd gets into. And I know by the end there, I was just like, I don't like any of these jokes that are that I do that work. I want to do my weird stuff, but my weird stuff doesn't work. So I can't do it. And so then I was like, ah, you know, maybe I'll pick up the guitar again. <laughs> <laughs> well, how, how long were you doing comedy before you started getting like you were, you were performing at Yucks. Yeah. And uh, how long before you started getting like the, the weekends and the paid work and um, stuff like that? Well, I got the odd opener after about a year, I think. And then I won a contest too. So I got to go to Toronto and compete against all the other club winners. So That's awesome. Got I beat someone named Jason Lawrence, who you might know. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So Yeah. For so anyone. <laughs> the six finalists. So uh, yeah, I... I uh, beat Jason and got to go to Toronto, which was nice. They've, they uh, actually flew us there and we got to stay in the Royal York. So this was back when it was a big deal to win, win those sort of contests. So that's why Jason hired you years later. So you just had to find a way to put you underneath <laughs> yeah, for yeah. some reason. No, uh, <laughs> I knew Jason actually before I even started doing comedy. He and I used to work at a restaurant at the Auto Athletic Club years ago. And Angelo Sarukas was also a waiter there at the time. Yeah. And so um, I think it was 92 when I was thinking of trying comedy. I went to Yuck Yucks and Jason was one of the guys performing on the amateur. And I was like, oh, I know this guy. Of course, Jason didn't remember me. No, of course not. Of <laughs> I was like, not. oh, yes, and you are. Well, I'm the guy who worked with you for like five years in that restaurant. <laughs> what a dick. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I started doing it. And, uh, and uh, yeah, about a year until I got openers. And then maybe uh, a couple of years before I started middling and emceeing and stuff. And then, uh, yeah, I started doing all the Ontario clubs and did a Eastern tour, I think, after about five years, Thunder Bay run. Nice. And, uh, you know, then sort of stuck at that level for about four years. And then when Jason opened Absolute, I was like, hey, do you need anyone to work at the club? He's like, oh, I guess so. so <laughs> yes, like Jay's approach, of course, he still had hiring. His, he still had his paper route at the I time. Eh? So he's like, well, when I'm doing my paper route during the, during the days, maybe you can answer the phones. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and that's the thing too, is like you're in terms of personalities, you're polar opposite to Jay. Like I always say that you're the yin to his yang because as much as he's crazy and aggressive and mm -hmm. all over the place, like you're very calm, respectful, courteous. Like I always tell people, I'm like, if you, if you really talk to Jeff, if you have an <laughs> issue, just talk, talk to Jeff. I go, Jeff's going to be fair. I go, don't fucking take advantage. But beef, but Jeff's fair. Yeah, I, I'm pretty hard to take advantage of, though. Well, that's, well, that's what I'm saying. But that's what's like. If someone's like, if someone's, uh, I guess, what their their question for me is, hey, I'm looking for da da da. I go, well, no, you can't talk to Jeff about that. That's trying to take advantage. I go, you're not going to take advantage. But yeah. but if your question is something reasonable, like for example, um, what I mean is, like, let's say someone has a complaint about the club, mm -hmm. they're not going to call during the day to get their way. They're going to call during the day to have a reasonable conversation. Yeah. So that's that's where I'll send people for you. So that, but Jay's. Insane. Yeah, I've never had a customer or uh, I never had a conversation with a with an irate customer when I ended with the call with, well, fuck you too. <laughs> <laughs> Which is Jay's, that's what's yeah. in his training video. Yeah. It's yeah. like, if you have a customer, just make sure that you tell them off afterwards. Yeah. They'll think that they've won. No, I'm willing to stay on the line for 20 minutes until they finally leave, uh, you know, somewhat satisfied. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They get their bitching out over with and then I'm like, okay. Uh. Well, the amount of times that, that Jason has told, you know, either you or me to call somebody, I, I, I can't, I, I can't contact them. I, I'm not able to do that. I can't talk <laughs> to those people. I can't be nice to them. I, <laughs> it's like, you run a business. You got to learn how to have some level of humility. But it's, like I said, it's, it's, that worked out for Jay in such a great way to have you at the club. Cause like I say, you're, you're doing an amazing job and you really are the operations of that place. Like so much of the, well, the I don't know about that, but, uh, you know, I, I I can pretty much do anything that needs to be done to fix stuff. And <laughs> oh, I think you, you know. do. Well, I mean, Jason's not booking the so any most of the comics that are listening to this, you're the guy who gets them. Yeah, if, if they're calling for the Wednesdays, yes, then yeah, they would talk to me. Yeah, first Tuesday of the month at ten a.m. If you're uh, interested in signing up, they, they still ask me all the time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, so you did comedy with Yucks. You started with Absolute. Uh, when it opened and you've been there since the beginning, I guess. Yeah. Or very close to it. 2004. So, so, uh, yeah, when I started there, I figured, you know, that was it, you know, for doing comedy and then, you know, uh, and I was fine with that. Uh, at least, you know, as far as touring, I knew I wasn't going to be touring anywhere. Uh, but then Jason kept saying, Hey, can you middle this coming month? And I was like, Oh, 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> That's what it is. And so Fine. it was a good 10 years of me grudgingly, you know, still doing comedy like twice a year or whatever. So I know by the end there, I, was, I, I don't think I finished a week in the last five times I was booked. I was getting, you know, some new guy to take the Sunday nights for me or something. You know? Right. It's like, it's like, oh, I don't want to do this. Just take the Sunday for me. And how, what do you, do you remember when the last time you did stand up was? No, it was a Christmas party, probably like five years ago or that something. That long? Yeah. Because I remember the Christmas parties. Like, I know, because it's just, you're already there. So it's, it's easy to have just yeah. a spot fill in or whatever. So but, it yeah, might, it might have been that. a luncheon Christmas party or, or um, there's a dude named Elliot Smith who knew me from Yuck Yuck's days. And he'd call me once every three or four years and say, hey, can you do this gig for me? And I didn't we we did we one might together. have did you one of those, myself yeah. and pierre bro or jim mcnally we did one at the convention center on colonnade I yeah think. yeah would that do you think that would have been like the last time that might have been one of them yeah jeez and then yeah that was a few years ago yeah yeah jeez time flies well i for what it's worth i always enjoyed watching your act like i said i mean it was it was it was silly there was a lot of stuff to it but it was different and that's what i enjoyed about it i mean you would use the music i remember you would have like a you do a really good mix between because obviously Ottawa being so close to Canada, you have a good mix of like some French humor. Oh yeah, well, well I live too. I live over in the hillside, of, uh, so yeah, I had some stuff you know that obviously I picked up from living over there for twenty years. Yeah, yeah, and but it yeah. works. Like, yeah, it's, it was great. I always, I honestly, I always enjoyed watching you perform. Well, well, thanks, man. So yeah, yeah. I yeah, uh, you guys know me. I do a little dick sucking here on the <laughs> podcast, but sir, no, I, but in all, all fairness, I really, I really did enjoy watching you work and. Uh, it would always. Be, I, I will always maintain a pleasant hope that uh, that one day you'll pop back on. You stage never know. You know, maybe. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it's it's hard too because when I started, I was you know sort of that rock and roll dude, and I was you know I was thirty, but I looked probably twenty, and so I was a young hip dude. Now I'm like you know I'm fifty four now. So are you that, really? Yeah. So I that, didn't think you were that. That old. stuff doesn't fly now. So <laughs> you know maybe when I'm a grumpy old man and I will you know write a whole new act of grumpy old man material. But yeah, uh, there's a lot of guys that Jay will bring in once yeah, name yeah. names um but yeah no that's uh that's wicked now obviously i want to talk about the the main thing because more so than comedy and your managerial work uh you're you're a very accomplished uh, musician um you started off in a group called the town criers right no uh, before that oh, i was so in a band called gonksko beat right right sorry and that band was only around a couple of years but we were, you know we had some good success we um you know we're on a cbc television show uh you know that was show nationwide called rock wars where every city had you know three or four bands competing and then i think the winner from each week you know got to you know compete against all the other winners so we lost to eight seconds which was a pretty well-known band uh, in ottawa at that time uh or came in second to eight seconds so that's pretty good and then we also got to play at the congress center uh opening up for the spoons which was a pretty cool gig so that was for like you know however many people fit in the congress center five six thousand people nice so, and we'd had a bunch of videos on Much Music because when, when we were out, we didn't actually record any records, but we did make a bunch of videos and uh, Much Music was hurting for CanCon at that time. So we had like three three uh, videos that got piles of airplay on Much Music, nice. which was pretty cool. Anyway, that band broke up after a couple of years and then I started a band called The Town Criers um, with a couple friends of mine and uh, uh, we put out three records. Well, actually, we put out two records. We put out our third record like uh, last Christmas. We had a oh, okay. So so we did a reunion show at Irene's. We we put out a 25th anniversary release of the third record that we didn't release back in 1992, and um, so that show uh, was picked as one of the top 10 uh, concerts of uh, 2017 by Ottawa Life Magazine. Nice. And through that, we got a spot at the Blues Fest this summer. So, so like, yeah, so the, the reunion, reunion show, the yeah. reunion band got a Blues Fest spot, which is pretty <laughs> pretty wild. Which is rare for a lot of bands. Yeah. A lot of bands come back out of nowhere and they get good. I mean, the the stage had to collapse on cheap trick. Yeah. <laughs> some good media and some good press. If anyone doesn't know about that, one of the stages at this big uh, festival here collapsed. So for anyone, let's, let's put it this way. Because um, I remember hearing Bill Burr one time on his podcast. He was coming to do Blues Fest, but he didn't know what it was. He just mm-hmm. knew what it was called that he was doing. And he's like, I'm going up to Canada to do like a Blues Fest. <laughs> He's like, so was it gonna be like a like it's outside? It's gonna be like a bunch of Canadian bikers, and he's like, how tough can they be? Like he had no idea what he was talking about. So just for anyone listening, going, oh, blues fest, because we're gonna play some of your music throughout the uh, throughout the episode from different different bands, right? Yeah, that you've been in. And so just in case anyone hears and goes, he's going to blues fest, but this stuff doesn't sound like blues. Yeah, you know, or or maybe some of the songs that you've picked do, but blues fest has. I mean, over the years morphed and, and quite radically only it's ever since I've been paying attention to it, it has long since taken on its new, new form, but it's basically 
all sorts of different bands. It's a, it's a rock and roll festival, yeah. music festival. They've got any any type of genre there. So I know they usually have like a country night. And they've got the... I'm, when we're playing uh, this July, we're on rap night. We're there with Shaggy and, <laughs> yeah, and Naughty and, by Nature. Yeah, and Snoop Dogg has been there. And yeah. there's so many there's so many bands that you would go like... Like again, I think Lady Gaga has been there. Yeah, before. the last time... Um, I played Blues Fest. It was with my friend John, who's an, also a member of the Town Criers, and he's he's been a solo dude for about you know fifteen years. Uh, your friends in Monkey Junk know him. He does a show every Saturday at Quinn's on Bank. I know Steve and Tony D have played on that that, yeah, yeah, yeah. that show with him. So uh, John got a solo spot at uh, Blues Fest in 2014. And so we were on the same night as Snoop Dogg. Okay. So on the same stage too. So, oh, really? So we were on like, uh, you know, two in the afternoon. And by the time Snoop showed up, we had to clear the backstage area. Like no one was allowed back. Oh, there. really? But, it was that? Uh, uh... We were on before Bob Saget. So we didn't have to clear anything out for Bob Saget. <laughs> so uh, my kids were there. So they got picture, their pictures taken with Bob Saget. So that was kind of fun. That's really cool. It's like some dude who we don't know, but we want to get our picture taken with him. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, if you guys were my age at the time, <laughs> yeah. whatever, you would have known. Or well, vice versa, but that's yeah. Like I mean, Blues Fest for what it's worth, guys, a very big music festival. Probably, I mean, the the biggest one in the area that I can think of. Yeah, in in Ottawa, anyway. There's some some other ones like Montebello's got a big one, and then Montreal's got a couple big ones. But yeah, yeah, exactly. in Ottawa. Yeah, and it's it's outdoor festival. What is it, two weeks long? Or, uh, yeah, or close I to think two it's a weeks couple long? weeks long. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, there's huge names. So to be a part of this is not like oh, Blues Fest. They got what is it a weekend and they got like six bands. Like no, this is a big deal. Uh, so it's very, uh, I mean, I'm very, very excited for that. Um, I'm trying to think. I think I've only been to a couple of them. I always seem to be out of town or incredibly busy during Blues Fest. Like, I missed Burr when yeah. he was here because I would have liked to have seen him. I was at Blues Fest when the stage collapsed. Oh, no way. Yeah. Um, but I went inside. So so Joey yeah. Elias and Angelo Sarukas, who you just mentioned, yeah. were doing this Just for Laughs little side thing in inside the building. Mm-hmm. And... I remember we we got in, Joey got uh, Crystal and I tickets. We went inside, sat down, waiting for the show to start. Maybe three minutes after we sit down, we just see Joey peek his head out from the curtains and he like he sees me and he's like waves me and her back. So we walk over to the the side of the stage, whatever he goes, they're canceling the show, the stage just the main stage just collapsed, and I go, is like really that's the best you could that's like the best like bullshit like yeah i thought he was fucking with me yeah right so i'm like is that really that's the best thing that you could think of and he's like no no it it, it collapsed like what is it come on so he brings me and crystal in the back we ended up going to the the hotel to have drinks with with him and bruce hills from just for laughs or whatever and mm-hmm. angelo and stuff very intimidating for a, a new young comic to be sitting with the head of just for laughs yeah. and and not pitching any jokes or anything just sitting there quietly while he's buying us wine and stuff like oh, i hope to meet you someday in a good way um but when we walked out of the building the stage was gone wow like that, that like three minutes before this giant stage outside walk out five minutes later gone i was like that's crazy um that's crazy so yeah, yeah I, <laughs> that's one of the few shows i was actually pondering you know going going to see because i'm a huge cheap trick fan so. oh really yeah well good thing you didn't yeah, go. yeah. they're dead <laughs> saw the demise of it well there you go you're like i might not have been there since the beginning but i was there at the end yeah so um in terms like now i know we have some music so we may as well take this opportunity to to maybe have you throw it to one of the songs that you want to play so the first song that you want to do is from uh is from one of the original bands? Yeah, Gunks Go Beat. So this is a song we had a video for that uh, was played on Much Music a bunch. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it's on YouTube. You can find it on YouTube. Uh, and the thing I was talking about earlier is that this song is sort of out of the blue. Two years ago, some dude called me about uh, using it for a uh, pilot that that comedian Dave Hempstead was doing, a, like a sports show. So uh, so that was, that was pretty cool. So out of the blue, uh, this guy's like, hey, I remember you guys from like back in the olden days. And can we use that song? And we're like, yeah, yeah, sure. That's awesome. And what's the song called? Uh, Jungle Riff. Jungle Riff. All right, so we're going to listen to Jungle Riff now.
that was Jungle Riff, guys. I hope you enjoyed. I still haven't heard it because we're still recording. It's, uh, I just took a two-second beat so I can plug it in there afterwards. Yeah, the song's like a, a minute, 20 seconds long. Oh, is so, it? Really? Yeah. Okay, Super, okay. So, yeah, I hope you didn't go up and, and take a pee while that song was playing there, Josh. You wouldn't have made it back in time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, out of curiosity, this is a question that I wanted to ask when you were first getting into it because it's fascinating to me is in terms of like learning to play an instrument or something like that, like a lot of people are like, oh, I'm gonna learn how to play the guitar, I'm gonna learn how to play the piano. Like you can learn how to play an instrument. When it comes to making a band, like actually joining a band or whatever, mm-hmm. like like how does that how does that work? You don't just have a bunch of guys going, hey, wouldn't it be cool to be rock stars? Yeah, let's make a band. And then it's just, that's it. Like everyone has to learn how to play this. Yeah. So how do you form a band? Uh, well, I know when I started my first band when I was in high school, um, there was a friend of ours got a set of drums. So there, that's, that's the first, first thing we know a guy with drums. And so the guy across the street from me played guitar cause his dad was a guitarist. Okay. And so, um, so that's two people down. We got guitar and drums. Then we had some other guys who couldn't play anything. So one of them was going to take stand up. <laughs> He'll be the manager. <laughs> yeah. No, one of them was actually, we convinced him to take stand up bass at high school music. Uh, cause he was going to be our bass player and I was going to be the rhythm guitar player only, uh, you know, some guys can't play instruments, you right. find out later on. So, um, you know, I was lucky. I was able to pick up the guitar fairly quickly. So we had two guitars and drums. And so I switched to bass because the other guitar player was actually good. Okay. And I was pretty new, but I had a sense of rhythm so I could actually, you know, follow along and play bass. So that was my first high school band. And um, so really that was back when you could just there was a music class and you could just go, I'm going to learn this instrument. And that's what you learned. Yeah, but I didn't take music at at high school. I just, uh, just picked up guitar on my own. Well, my friend showed me how to play a bunch of stuff. So, uh, we did that. And, um, you know, we started off where the other guitar player was writing a bunch of songs because, uh, you know, basically if you start writing songs, when you start playing music, you know, the songs are only as good as you can play. Right. It's not, it's not intimidating. It's not like, you know, having a guitar for two weeks and saying, you know, trying to figure out how to play Hotel California or something like it's impossible. Right. But, you know, if you listen to the Ramones, they couldn't play their instruments in their first record. Um, but their songs are so simple. They, that's, that's all they had to, to know how to play was that one chord they'd slide around the neck. Right. Right. So, you know, I could show you how to play a Ramones song in probably about five minutes if I wanted to. Really? It's that easy. Well, I can show you one chord and he only used one chord and then he slide it up and down the neck. So he didn't change the position of his fingers. He could just he just change the frets. He would just yeah slide up and down the neck and play different chords, but using the same fingering. Wow. Well, that makes it easier. I mean, there's tricks to, yeah. tricks to everything. And then the bass player would do the same thing. He'd play whatever note that the guitar player was on. He'd play the same same place on the bass. Right, right, the right. strings are tuned the same way. So. Makes it sound the same. So yeah, so you can sound. you can be a mediocre musician and still write songs and have them sound good because you're you know. It's a, you're writing a simple song. Yeah, yeah. Now, when you guys were in in high school or whatever, you're primarily playing other songs that already exist, right? You're practicing. Well, we that started exist, off uh, doing some original songs, really, because we could only play those simple songs. Right. And then when we got better, by the end of high school, we were playing, you know, Cream and Hendrix and stuff like that. Right. Right. As we got better, we we're like, well, why are we playing our stupid songs that we wrote <laughs> when we're actually good enough to play? Uh, you know, yeah, so. some of the better stuff. So I know in uh, in high school we did like they had a yearly variety show, and so it was a big deal to get on that. So when I was in grade ten, we did an original song, and then in grade eleven we did, I think we did My Generation by the Who, and right. then grade twelve we did Hendrix Fire and something else, and then uh, grade thirteen I was the only one who stuck around for grade thirteen. <laughs> And so it was optional. a bunch of guys from the music class got me to sing uh, Devil Went Down to Georgia with them. So Really? Yeah. So I, I played rhythm guitar and sang Devil Went Down to Georgia <laughs> with two fiddle players <laughs> battling it out. That's fucking awesome, though. That yeah. sounds like a lot of fun. So was it the, uh, and, and forgive me, I forget the name of it. The, I'm going to fucking, I'm not going to butcher because it it's funny. The, the Go-Go's. But a go- what was the name of the first band? I'm so sorry. Gonks Go Beat. Gonks Go Beat. I'm like, the uh, the Gonks was what I couldn't get my head. I'm like, Gonks get it. So I started with those guys. because. But I, that was that high school band? That was the Gonks No, that was, well, just as I was leaving high school, uh, I worked at uh, Ponderosa Steakhouse. Oh, yeah. And uh, a dude who worked with me at Ponderosa Steakhouse had this band. Uh, and they were, you know, they were novices just like the Ramones. So, um, you know, they, they wrote super simple songs. And um, they couldn't play very well. And... So I remember I went to a, st- a party, Ponderosa party, and they were playing there. Uh, and 
they they got another guy who worked at Ponderosa to play bass only by the end of and they were playing at the house party by the end of the house party the drunk the bass player was too drunk to play so I was like <laughs> well I can play bass so I filled in and so all of a sudden these guys actually sounded better because they had at least one guy who could sort of play in the band you know right and so a couple months later they're like hey man do you want to join our band and I was like ooh a new wave band I don't know and then uh, so yeah I, I joined those guys and it was a lot of fun so they became Gong School Beat after uh, after a couple of years and we got really good after a while and uh, well yeah and like you said you got all that that play on much music which is amazing yeah yeah. Um, so what what happened? And you're saying like that band sort of just kind of broke up. Like what happened? Yeah, I think because um, um, that's fascinating too, right? You hear about bands that are together, they break up. And yeah. There's a, there's a lot of different. I th I think um, our we had a manager who did a lot, got us a lot of those gig, good gigs and stuff. Uh, he was an American guy, like a real hustler dude. So mm -hmm. you know he liked us and got us a bunch of stuff. And then anyway, he decided he was moving back to the states. And I was like, sort of, oh, geez, what are we going to do now? And the, our drummer was quite a bit older, so he was getting married. And I was like, oh, I, I knew dudes in other bands. And so a couple of people asked me if I wanted to you know, split off and join with them. And that became the Town Criers. And um, so I did. And, you know, Town Criers took a couple of years to actually, you know, get good. We weren't that good when we started just because nothing really meshed. And so it was a bit of a struggle. But, uh, you know, we did get really good after a while. We, we got a couple of different... Uh, couple um rhythm section got drummer and bass player who actually were in the cut with with me years later uh so when the town criers got these two guys mike and mike carpenter and ian cook we became a really good band there uh and they were they were kind of neat because uh, you know we started off sort of like a garage band and then uh, mike and ian were these rockabilly guys so it sort of became this weird mesh of like garage rock meets rockabilly and then we sort of got a pretty interesting sound after that that's very cool. And this is the Town Criers we're this talking about. This is the Town right? Criers. So if you listen, uh, I think you're going to play a song called yeah, let's throw, let's Never Been Hurt Before. So people who go to Absolute, they'll notice at the end of that intro where Eminem's doing, you know, Lose Yourself, uh, you'll hear this drum beat and guitar riff. And this is the Town Criers uh, Never Been Hurt Before song. Awesome. Well, we're all very familiar with that. So again, just as a little addition to that is that the uh, the little, uh, please turn off your cell phones and we don't go swim in your toilets. That's you, right? That's yeah, you. that was... Uh, just about a week before the club opened, I, uh, Jason's like, hey, can you do an intro tape? And I was like, yeah, I'll go to my friend John's place and uh, we'll uh, nice. whip something up. Wicked. So you just grabbed a piece from the song or whatever. Or or did that later become the other song? No, no. The, this was this song came out in like 1989. Right. So, right, right. so it was 15 years later, we used it. Right. I'm sitting here going, did that song? Did that <laughs> song from the Town Criers, the band that was gone before Absolute? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that makes it so awesome. So what's the name of the song from the Town Criers we're going to be playing? Never Been Hurt Before. Never Been Hurt Before. Enjoy this, guys.
back again after a three second beat on my part i'm ex- i'm actually super excited to hear these songs because i've listened to the cutman and that's that's the group that came after the town crash so i've actually heard uh the cutman and of course uh your current band life-size men yeah um but so in terms of the town criers what happened with that now the town criers was before you started stand up or during yeah whole- no that's why i started stand up as the, that band broke up now we didn't break up because we didn't like each other or anything. It was basically just after five years and, you know, not really progressing. Um, we just sort of, you know, I went away to France one summer and then we just never called each other when I got right. back. It's <laughs> like, so, well, I'm off to France, guys. Okay, we'll see you in the fall. And then... Let's just move out when he's gone. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we just stopped playing. And, right, uh, right. We did the odd reunion show here and there. Like, I think we did one maybe a couple years later in 94. And then we did another one in, like, 2004 and then maybe 2008 so we you know and then we kept playing everyone kept playing all the all the guys in the town choirs kept playing like my friend john you know did a solo thing starting around 2004 or something so Mm -hmm. so he's been around and um and so uh i think he realized a few months ago that our 25th anniversary was coming up of, of us not releasing our third record that we recorded right right so um, 25th anniversary of not releasing. Yeah. <laughs> so we recorded it and we're gonna put it out but then the band just sort of broke up before we did so right right you know, and it's it's kind of type of thing too you you know when you do write songs and play them you want people to at least have the you know um you know potential of hearing them right so uh, it's easy now to put stuff out like just put on apple music doesn't you don't have to pay for you know getting stuff pressed and all that sort of stuff right. so so we did that and so uh, i don't know if you want to play a song from uh the the latest town crier release uh this is one that i wrote that it uh i kind of like it's kind of got a bo diddly feel and yeah you know uh raunchy guitars and stuff so this is called long tall you long tall you yeah. enjoy everybody
and again, I, I'm loving this little us take a two second pause and then just keep going. Uh, it kind of sort of destroys the magic, but still, I'm 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 hoping that uh, everyone's enjoying because again, I am familiar with stuff from the Cut Men, so I can't wait to hear some of these things that I haven't heard. Um, now, in terms of the creation of the Cut Men, because that's that's where you know, I mean, you were already doing comedy, yeah, if I'm not mistaken. And that's that's the band. So when you and I first met, and I was, you know, we were chatting with you. I knew you as the guy from Absolute and everything yeah. like that. And when I found out you're a band, you gave me one of the Cutman CDs, and that's when I got really into it because I really enjoyed your stuff. Yeah. So, so how did that come around? Well, um, basically, uh, I'd been working at the comedy club for about uh, this was 2008. The Cutman, so about four or five years. And I'd been there a lot, four or five years. I was there day and night, working nights. Uh, you know, so I sometimes work in the day, rush home, make supper, get back to Jesus. do the box at night. So after about five years, I was like, I was totally burnt. You know, I was like, I can't do this anymore. So I told Jason, look, man, I can't work nights anymore. Yeah. I, I'm all, I can do the day. And then, so then, uh, you know, so now once I wasn't working nights anymore, I was like, Hey, maybe I'll call a couple of the old town criers and see if they want to, you know, start the cut man with me. So these are, these, are the two guys, uh, that joined me in the cut men were, um, Mike and Ian, those rockabilly guys. Mm -hmm. So they weren't in the town criers at the end of the town criers. They had quit, uh, about two years before we broke up. So the final record was with two different dudes on bass and drums. So, but Mike and Ian were great players. And so uh, I was like, you guys wouldn't happen to want to play again. And this was when Facebook first came out too. So you started, uh, you know, getting reconnected with a bunch of people you hadn't talked to in years. Right, right. So on Facebook, I found those dudes and I was like, you guys want to start up a band? I've got a bunch of songs I wrote that maybe would be fun to try. And so they were into it. And, um, you know, the Cutman was kind of a, just a project for me. I, I thought it would be fun because I'd never played in a band where I was the only guitar player. Okay. So it was like a three-piece band, you know, power trio, classic power trio. <laughs> and then, uh, I know those guys could, you know, were good enough that I could be the only guitar player and it would still sound great. And uh, that was a fun band. They were, uh, you know, sort of our version of the Ramones. You know, it's like, what if the Ramones were actually really, really good players? <laughs> and so super simple songs, super short songs and with sort of goofy lyrics, you know, like there's, you know, if you listen to the lyrics there, it's, you know, it's, you could tell that maybe I did comedy before, but. Uh, right. But the thing is in a song, you can have, you know, one quirky line, which, you know, is enough for a little sticker, which not strong enough for a comedy act or anything, but. No, but it's, it is nice to have some comic relief in, in songs. I mean, there's a lot of hip hop that's, you know, it's all about the rhymes, but then there's a bunch of goofy shit in it. That's, that's making you yeah. laugh. You know what I mean? No, I, I, I really enjoyed what I heard from, uh, from the cut men. I, like I said, you gave me one of the albums. I really enjoyed it. Something, a little piece of trivia. And I had forgotten until just moments ago when I wrote down the note was that, uh, you guys used to practice at absolute, right? Yeah. On we Tuesday practiced nights? There, yeah. Mondays or Tuesdays. I can't remember which. Well, it was, that's, that was the funny thing. And I remember, I remember feeling awful about this because you guys were there on Tuesdays. And then what happened is when Absolute stopped doing the Tuesday show at Tailgaters, they moved to the club. That's and so right. So you guys had to move to Mondays. Oh, that's right. And then, and you then started with my stupid mic. ass opened <laughs> open mic Mondays, I basically took away your guys' rehearsal <laughs> space. So I apologize formally and publicly. <laughs> that's probably indirectly led to the end of the cut. Man, yeah, I we, fucking... After that, we only practiced if we had a gig. So Really? So basically, no, uh, I... every couple months... They'd come over to my basement. We'd get ready for a gig, and so Jesus. after after a couple of years of that, the drummer's like, "Ah, uh, guys, I don't think I'm gonna play in this band anymore. We don't play." So um, fuck. I really hope. I'm so sorry if that's oh, the case. No, it's no like took away the space, and then it's like, no, it's <laughs> just not. Uh... So the so the cut men became the life size men because the drummer quit, and then uh, he knew a drummer who who was a big fan that wanted to uh, to play with us. This is a guy named Jeb who played years ago in a band called Screaming Bamboo, who are pretty well known in Ottawa. So the Cutman uh, became the life-size men uh, just because the bass player quit at the same time. So we got, you know, two new guys. Plus we had this guitar player in the Cutman that joined at the end there who stayed on, but we decided he should play lead guitar because he was really good. He's a guy named uh, R.W. Haller. So he's a great guitar player. And uh, we became the life-size men was sort of, you know, different band that sort of sprung from the ashes of the Cutman. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um there's uh, <laughs> I I always like I I wonder about this too. Like in terms of you writing a song, because I remember hearing like you hear all sorts of things like this where where inspiration comes from and stuff. Like apparently, uh, either Keith Richards or Mick Jagger had a dream where they heard the the opening riff from like Satisfaction, just that mm -hmm. tune in his head or whatever. So when you're writing a song, because again, you write the vast majority of the songs for for your groups, right? Mm -hmm. 
where does where does the inspiration come from and how do you go okay i'm gonna write a song like is it just as simple it's like sitting down to write a joke or i usually force myself i every summer when i'm i usually take july off and go up to the cottage so it's like i'm gonna write a song a night for 30 days and then hopefully out of those 30 songs i'm gonna get seven or eight that are good and uh so that's what i do now in the olden days i would just you know just come up with something and try to show it to the band right away where I, I sort of edit myself more. Now I'll, I'll go through them and find out if I, you know, I like them or not. If right. I can usually remember it the next day, then it's an okay song. Sometimes, you know, you'll write a song, write the chords down on a piece of paper and you have no idea the next day what, how it's supposed to go or. Really? So you, you would write the music first effectively? Or, um, or? No, I do it sort of at the same time. What I'll do, I'll just grab the guitar and then I'll just start bashing out a few chords okay and you know hopefully in a chord pattern i've not not done before right so it's you know it doesn't sound like my other songs and then i'll just start sort of humming a melody over the over the over the uh, chords and then after a while if you're doing it for an hour or so those those sort of the melody you're humming will slowly turn into words okay and once you get three or four words it's like okay what is the song about and then you start adding then i start filling in uh, you know, like if you listen to, uh, there's a life size men called uh, life size men song called No No Morrissey. So that started off just me humming, and then at one point their song, you know, I can't something anymore anymore. And then I'm you know writing song anymore what anymore what, and it's like oh many more more any Morrissey. That's it. Yeah. So then the song became a, a song about not knowing anything about the Smiths or this guy Morrissey because I don't. I'm right. I know one song by them, but I've heard of them, but I don't know anything about them. So it's a song about me not knowing anything about this topic. <laughs> that's yeah, that's cool. See, that's the part of the process that that it blows me away because I'm like. You're like, oh, these guys wrote a song. It's like, how the fuck do you write a song? You know what I mean? Like a lot of people, you can play a, an instrumental tune and then someone just makes lyrics up or or same thing. You know, you maybe come up with some lyrics or a nice story or whatever and go, okay, well, let's see if we can find a tune that feels like that. But for the, like you said, it just, if it's just, you just sort of playing around with some sense, this sounds nice. This sounds yeah. like a nice little tune. And then like you said, you start. Mm -hmm, yeah. And, and I'm, I'm willing to be totally silly. Like if, um, you know, if it, you've got a line you like, and then the next line doesn't, you know, you know what you want to say next, only you can't find the word that rhymes. I'll totally change how to say the word. <laughs> just you know, so that just it sounds so it similar. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Well, there's some of these artists, like apparently Adele has a horrible relationship with her father. I don't know if he touched her or something, but it's <laughs> like people joke all the time, like, oh, thank God these things happened to her in her life because we've got her music because of it or whatever. So some people it's like like you said like just be silly and have fun with yeah it and enjoy like, something. oh yeah like there's a line in that morrissey song where um um where i change how you say mediocre instead i say mediocre just so it rhymes with the mediocre. word before <laughs> that's how he's totally non-mediocre i was like oh very, <laughs> very she -she. but that's yeah like so and it's but it's like comedy like, it was very similar to what you said earlier about comedy being you know, like there's this kind of comedy and you're like, well, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to do it like that. Like it's, it's cool that, that the, the music and the inspiration of the music can come. It's not like, oh, it has to be this way or formulaic. It's the same thing. You can take something yeah. and, and twist it and bend it. And it's at the end of the day, it's still music. Yeah. And sometimes you know? you'll, you know, challenge yourself. Like, you know, I know there's a couple songs on the Cutman record where it's like, I'm going to play three chords and then that's going to be the next song. And the second part of the song is going to be the same three chords in a different order. And so, you know, you've got to sort of, and I'm giving myself five minutes to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. And so, you know, sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. There is a song in the Cutman record called, uh, um, where are you going now? And that's like a song that basically was five minutes, just lyrics, everything done. Really? And, yeah. That quickly, eh? Yeah. But I mean, you listen to lyrics, it's like, well, yeah, of course he only spent five minutes on this. <laughs> There's nothing to this song. Well, you and but I- But it's catchy. So that's that's the most important thing to me is got to just, as long as it's catchy, I don't care what I'm saying, really, as long as it's, you know, obviously not racist or something. No, of course, of course. But, uh, well, that's that's what's funny. Because I, th I remember you and I had a conversation just this last year. We were talking and I had mentioned to you that uh, like Bachman Turner Overdrive has a taking care of Christmas song. And you guys did. Which band was that? That, that was the Town Criers. We a couple a couple of Christmases there. We got together and uh, did like a little fun Christmas thing for ourselves. And uh, yeah, we did taking care of Christmas a good 20 years before Randy Bachman did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I was talking to you about it. You're like, oh, really? And I go, yeah, he's got it. And like, holy fuck, we did. And completely different lyrics. Oh, yeah. It's not like he stole the song or whatever. Uh, who knows? Maybe that motherfucker. Are you listening right now? <laughs> uh, no, but, <laughs> but it's, I mean... The, the lyrics are different. It's another funny song instead of, you know, like I, 
I enjoyed your guys' version just as much as the other one. In fact, I found your guys like a little more silly, and well, stuff we like were, that, which was nice. This is also the unpolitically correct '90s, so we had a lot of sexual innuendo in this in our version. You know, like Santa's packing in the snow and stuff like that. He's <laughs> <laughs> doing what now? Where? What? Santa? <laughs> yeah, that was so funny. But it's it's uh yeah, I've really enjoyed this stuff. Like, there's a song on the the Life Size Men album. And I can't remember what it's, it's got the, fuck, what is it called? The album with the, the hands coming out of the sewer and it's like. Oh, Up Yours A Lot. Up Yours A Lot, yeah. So uh, in that one, there's That's a, a line song, from Fick You, I'm Drink. Right, which is the song that I, that you told me about because you were telling me that there was, what, a band member, you guys messaged him or whatever in the middle of the night he was drunk? Yeah, so uh, I think we were just, uh, we, we had taken the summer off uh, for holidays and then we were getting back together and I was just trying to ask the guys, you know, what, I can't remember how to play such and such a song. What key is it start, started in? And one guy's, you know, well, I think it's in C. And the drummer's like, I don't know. And then our bass player is like, Fick you, I'm drink. <laughs> and a bunch of random letters after that. <laughs> and so you turned that into a song. Yeah, that was a yeah, super easy song to write. Yeah, just, you know, it's about a guy texting while he's drunk. That's basically what happened. <laughs> Fick you, I'm drink. <laughs> so uh, can we play that now? Can we play Fick You, I'm Drink now? Yeah, of course. Yeah, and this one's from the Life Size Men from Up Yours A Lot. That's right. That's also a, uh, a line from the song. <laughs> Perfect. You guys enjoy Fick You, I'm Drink. On the same breath held from the intro, <laughs> the magic of editing. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's it's been phenomenal. Like like I said, just just listening to the stuff because it's really impressive. Like I said, the amount of work that you do too, like doing comedy, doing the management, and doing the band stuff. Plus, you're you're a dad. Yeah. You know what I mean, you're married. You have two kids. Yeah, two boys, twenty one and. Jesus 18. Christ, that old now? Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, time flies. Yeah, every now and again, I'd, I'd pop into the club and I'd just see like a kid in the in the club. <laughs> I'm like, who the fuck is going? Then I was like, oh, that's Jonah Jeff's voice. Yeah, they were they were tiny when we started at the club. I mean, I, I started working there because I was the stay-at-home dad, but I started working at the club because my youngest had started kindergarten. Yeah. So, yeah, when I first started, they'd be around, you know, all the time. I know our old kitchen dude used to hang my, my youngest, you know, upside down by the legs and shake them like you're trying to shake coins out of someone's pocket. Really? And that boy now is like six foot three, so... Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> let's, let's see him try it now. Yeah. Take a kid and spin him upside down. <laughs> 
Oh, like, they, that's they, why he walks funny. They Something love that popular. stuff. <laughs> that kitchen guy is really strong, man. Can... <laughs> that, that's why. So in terms of, uh, in terms of you guys at the, uh, the life-size men, um, you've got Blues Fest coming up. That's a huge deal. Yeah, that's with the town criers, not the life size. Man. Right, I'm so sorry. No, yeah, this is me paying attention. Right, <laughs> fuck's sakes. This, the, I don't know why it's confusing. It's confusing me. for me too. You know, it's like, uh, well, no, but you, I mean, you have told me that is the third time you've told me since we sat down. And uh, what do the other guys think of that? Because are, you said John part of the uh, John is a member of the town criers. Yeah, that's right. John Allaire who does the Quinn show on Saturdays, and he's played Blues Fest a lot. I've played it. I played bass for him about four or five times in the past at Blues Fest. Very cool. So, what about the other members of of? Uh, uh, well, the drummer used to play in a band called the Bush Pilots, so he's played uh, Blues Fest a few times as well. And our bass player Rick Dixon has not played Blues Fest, so so he's pretty excited about that that's very I'm, cool. I'm and is he still too. part of a like a band um uh well he actually just joined the life-size men with oh me, did so. he okay yeah. very cool this very is cool. Our, our bass player left a few months ago so i i after jamming with rick for you know six months getting ready for the town criers reunion show last december once we did the show and stopped jamming i was like hey man you want to play with another band again because we just lost our bass player and he's like oh okay so uh so he's caught up in that now but you know, I feel sorry for him because because uh, he he already was playing a band called Not Really uh, once a week. He jammed with those guys, and then um, I got him to play Life Size Men with me. And now the Town Criers have to start jamming again to get ready for Blues Fest. So he's going to be like you know doing three bands, which is a lot. That's cool to know that like right since the beginning, though, like everybody who was involved in that first one, like no one just like left to become an accountant or something. Like, everyone's <laughs> still playing music and stuff yeah. Like but that. I mean, I think John's the only guy who just does music. He you know doesn't have another job where Rick can you know, Kevin and all these other guys all have jobs and music is something they do because they like it, you know? Yeah. But I mean, it's still great to have that recognition to do something like, you know, blues fest. Like, I mean, right from the beginning though, you guys had accolades like on much music and stuff, getting that, that airtime, yeah. you know, and, and winning competitions and things yeah, like that. In the town criers too. We had that uh, song you played earlier, never been heard before that won uh, like a CBC telefest award. It was made by a bunch of dudes at Algonquin and then it got played on CBC video hits and then got played on much music too. And then uh, we had a huge show we did as well at Carlton U uh, uh, Frosh Week one year. We got to open for the Hoodoo Guru. So we were playing in, on the lawn in front of like 10,000 people, you know, so it's kind of cool. I'd say. Yeah. In terms of like, and I always ask this of all of like the, the, the creatives that are on the show, right? So usually comics, but anybody who's working on stuff creative, like there's, there's like, let me ask, let me start with the good stuff is, is what so far has been the highlight of, of your music career? Like your, your favorite moment? Um, everything that you've done i i don't even know you know there's just it's funny because you know when i started playing music my goal was to play barry moore's and, yeah, yeah, yeah and you know i did that on my third gig and i was like oh man i really <laughs> had to set my goals a little higher um so you know whenever you, you do do something that's that's big um you know you're always just waiting for the next thing you know right right so um you know, I, when I started the Life Size Man, I was just hoping to get a Blues Fest gig just so I can get free tickets, you know? Right. <laughs> well, hey, I, I like that. You've got like a minimalist in terms of the goal setting. You're like, yeah. you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm good with this. No, but it's all about just writing the songs and recording them and getting them out there, you know, just so when you're dead, you know, maybe 100 years from now, someone go, hey, uh, this dude, I, uh, you know. <laughs> well, according to you guys releasing your third albums 25 years after that, I mean, you might might take 100 years to get some of the stuff you're writing out now. Yeah. Um, no, that's that's awesome, dude. And and I again, the the shadow to that that sun question is, have there been any points um, throughout you know your your career where it just you know like low points where you thought you know what maybe I'm done with this? Like now again, we had the conversation about the comedy part. You took comedy in as an alternative to the the music stuff, yeah. and that broke up. So obviously, the comedy was the thing that you're like, you know what, I'm done with this. The music is the part that stayed, which is great. Yeah, but I mean, when I stopped um playing music and started doing comedy i wasn't interested in music at all like i didn't pick up my guitar for five years you know was, oh really so you was just like ah pff, you know and um you know i i just i i think that's just how i am you know personally i i get tired of things and want to move on and learn something new you know where i know right. you know I, I find it mind-boggling that that you know some guys you know been doing comedy for 40 years and they, they you know, still willing to travel and do dingy bars and stuff. You yeah. Know? Like you want to feel, like you said, like you want to feel that growth yeah. kind of thing. Like it was, or, or, you know, I've, I've know what this is like. I know what this is about. I've, you know, done X amount of big gigs and 
you know, I, what, what's next? Right. Because, you, know, you know, comedy, I did, you know, I did a lot of cool things. I, you know, got to work with lots of big guys, Mike McDonald, uh, Mike Bullard, uh, Mike Wilmot, all the Mikes. Yeah, all the Mikes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good, you know, Mike Wilmot, Mike Bullard. That's funny. That's so funny. Um, so in terms of, uh, in terms of you guys, is there anything else coming up after blues fest or anything before blues fest? Um, well, this is pretty funny. The town criers, uh, when we did our reunion show in December there, um, there's a guy who was a big fan of ours back in the olden days. He used to come to every gig and he won tickets to come see us on CBC cause it was a sold out show. Right. So, uh, he was there and well, actually, I don't know if I should tell you the story. That might be a surprise. Uh, actually, he won't hear this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, very unlikely that he'll hear it. So anyway, after the show, his wife's like, you know, my, my husband's 50th birthday is going to be in May. Would you guys want to play for that? And we're like, yeah, sure. Okay, whatever. <laughs> so uh, we're playing the birthday party. Nice. For this dude. Good gig. <laughs> and then that's also a nice warm up for the Blues Fest. And then we're doing Blues Fest. And then, you know, I think, uh, you know, after, after this... Um, you know, we'll put our name out and, and try to get the odd festival or something. But, uh, you know, we're not going to practice every week and hope, you know, if something happens, then we'll get together and practice up for it. Right, right. Of course. Yeah, no, like uh, it's interesting like, because I can only just like you're saying the birthday party. I just came back from Montreal while I was there. I was messaging with someone who was like, Josh, do you do private parties? And I was like, yes. <laughs> well, yeah, like depending on what it is. Yes, we do. So she's like, OK, my friend's looking for someone for a birthday party. And I was like. Okay, birthday party is a little different than private parties, but all right, let's uh, we'll see. Still available. Oh, sorry. Uh, no worries. <laughs> <laughs> Just hear Jeff, Jeff clicking away in the pens. I'm like, yeah, he's probably driving you guys crazy at this point. <laughs> but uh, the thing is, um, I, I sent her the message, sure, and she's like, cool. I'm gonna give my, I'm gonna connect my friend with you. Give her your name, whatever. So her friends and messaging back and forth. Yeah, I've got a birthday party for. And I'm like, is it for children? Like, I'm not. <laughs> no, no. We're just thinking it's like 30 people. And how much would you? Do? And I and I and I gave them the the number, which was small because it was for a friend. And they're like, oh, that's way out of our. But we thought it'd be like 50 bucks. And I'm like, like I'm gonna. <laughs> I don't need 50 bucks that bad to just yeah. go and degrade myself in front. I'm like, I'll whore myself out for a shit thing. But it, like you said, it's it's the same for music gigs. Like there's there's hell gigs for music too. Oh yeah. Do you remember any? particularly bad fucking shows yeah i remember guys. we uh town criers got a gig out in sault st marie and we played this we were supposed to have two nights at this bar called the canadian we get there we find out it's a country and western bar <laughs> and uh, uh so we're setting up and this guy's like are you guys playing any hank jr we're like uh no we're your best pack up right now <laughs> really and that's what he said you best so we, pack we, we up. did our show and at the end of the show the guy's like uh i don't think you guys are playing here tomorrow night and we're like yeah really we, we're like we agree we don't want to play here to <laughs> tomorrow night Christ. so we, we got our walking papers after one night they asked did you guys like contact them or they contact you um i think we were gonna be in sault st marie for something else anyway so we're like hey while we're out here we'll see if we can get a show somewhere else and so we had a friend of a friend who got us booked into the canadian country and western <laughs> nobody bar. asked any questions like yeah sure and then yeah. they weren't like so are they country yeah. music town criers sound pretty country to me <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> fuck six goddamn entertainment business in canada eh? yeah but then lots of hell gigs yeah where you you know drive to toronto and then it's a snowy night and so you're you know we drove five hours and play for like six people you know and yeah, and it's a door deal and back oh, then fuck. two bucks ahead 12 bucks yep so for, for anyone listening who doesn't know what a door deal is, that means that you only get paid from what they take into the door. Yeah. So that's shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then we've, you know, had gigs where they paid us by check, <coughs> you know, guarantee, but then you pay them by check and you get home and the check bounces and it's like. Yeah. And you can't really drive back to yeah, fight for a phone them up, check. Yeah. Phone them up. It's like, well, yeah, we'll, we'll get on that. We'll send it to you. Nothing. But uh, yeah, if you just, when the life-size men play now, it's basically where you know, play with friends of ours that also didn't stop playing music from back in the olden days. And, you know, we'll open for our friends and, you know, bands like good to go and Bush pilots and stuff like that. So that's cool. And that's something also that I, again, from my standpoint in comedy is, is very similar as you work with people that yeah. you know, and you know, this person gets you that gig, you get them this gig, whatever. Like it's not all just, Oh, some stranger contacted me and I'm going to work with strangers. You know, yeah. it's, there's usually some form of well, it's networking like anything else. You know somebody somewhere along the line. Yeah. Another dude who used to do comedy, uh, Luigi Saracino, has a band too. So we've played with him a couple of times. He's not doing comedy anymore? No, I don't think so. Okay. He, he's <laughs> acting and playing in a band. And... That's very good. Cool. And from Ottawa? Yeah. 
Okay. So if you look at the wall at Absolute, one of the years that we had the Just for Laughs the showcase there, he was one of the comics. So. Oh, okay. Okay. Very cool. Well, um, dude, I, I've, I've loved having you on. I hope, oh, it's uh, fun. Thanks I hope for having me, fun. man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm excited. I'm hoping that you guys get some new fans out of this. Um, you know, my, I hope that some of my 13 listeners <laughs> are like, all right, check that out. Um, I, I love your guys' stuff. Do you have anything else? Do uh, you guys have any albums coming up? Uh, in near future like obviously no uh, we've got a bunch of songs ready to get recorded though like so uh, we'll be doing that probably well, hopefully in the next year we'll get them recorded and get them get them up and out yeah yeah very cool well when that happens let me know and uh, I'll be sure to do it do you guys have a Facebook page or anything like yeah, that yeah we're on Facebook thing? and uh, Bandcamp and crap like that <laughs> <laughs> We so, just like writing and playing music. We are terrible at the promoting. This well, stuff. if you guys are anywhere near Ottawa uh, in July, get uh, get yourself some tickets for Blues Fest. Again, the date is Thursday, uh, July twelfth. Okay, and you'll be able to see the Town Criers. That's right, the I Town fucking Criers. Finally got it right. The Town Criers uh, at Blues Fest. Though, uh, though, my good friend Jeff Tange here is the uh, you know the uh, vocalist and uh, and and co rhythm. co-lead vocalist and lead guitarist with the Town Criers. Okay, okay. Rhythm guitar player in the life and, and and lyricist for the life. <laughs> yeah, you'd say the lesser on that one. Yeah. But that's great, uh, Jeff. Thank you for for coming and talking to me. Thank you for everything that you do, honestly, in terms of of the behind the scenes stuff in Ottawa comedy too no worries man <laughs> <laughs> i appreciate it guys first tuesday of the month at 10 a.m if you're looking for spots in absolute comedy give jeff a call and enjoy the life-size man and all the music here today thanks so much Just a little post-show uh, thing here uh, that I will just add in at the end. If anyone's still listening at the end of the episode, I just uh, I realized while we were playing the outro that we didn't get anything off uh, the actual cut, man, Jeff. So uh, we do have a song here that we wrote down. Uh, do you want to throw it to the audience here? A tune from the uh, the cut, men. This is a, I ain't got you, and that's a drag. Oh yeah, <laughs> ain't got you, and that's a drag, guys. Enjoy this song. This is for the rewarded uh, rewarding the people who've actually sat through the outro music <laughs> and the joy and Jeff thank you again uh, for, for coming and chat with me thank you man alright I got lots of termites in the kitchen I got a sticky bun on my I got to do a little bitching cause I ain't a drag. I ain't got you and it's a drag. I got a lot of good intentions. I don't really want to brag. I got too many things to mention, but I ain't got you and it's a drag. I ain't got you and it's a drag. I 
gonna do? Yeah, what am I gonna do? 